Hey guys, Chris Bircher, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. This is episode 43, diversity and uniqueness. Don't forget if there's anything that you can do, if you like what I'm doing, uh, please uh, follow me, like me, comment below, but more importantly, share this with your friends or share it on your Facebook or share it on your social media so it can uh, help me get the word out there and Put this in the hands and the ears and the eyes of people that are interested because um, there are a lot of us out there. I know there are, um, but it's really hard to make those connections, especially when um, I would say a podcast like this is pretty niche or pretty fringy. Speaking of niche, so my background is in ecology, the study of organisms and their biotic and abiotic um, environments. So how things influence species and how species live and how we got to where we are and 200,000 years of evolution or more and all of those things. And it's what amazes me about it is, uh, and where I am with this now, is that ecological principles are sort of universal. And, and, and what I mean by that is ecology is about patterns. And you, you look for patterns and you don't want to know necessarily, or it's of limited value to understand how one species is and how their environment, what you're looking for is, how what the common things are for all the different species from one to the next and um, how we can sort of lift this pattern off of understanding one really well, one species really well, and move it over to another one and use the same sort of model that we've learned from this first organism and apply it to the second one and see if it holds. And what we see is a lot of these things do hold. There are generalizations, there are models, there are patterns, stories that we can tell that repeat uh, from one thing to the next. And more importantly than that, you can also lift these models and apply them to entirely different things like the human psyche or relationships uh, or physics or economics. I mean, if you think about it, economics and ecology both have the same Latin prefix, right? Echoes or home. So, you know, both of these things are the study of our home. And really, there's a lot of similar patterns the law of diminishing returns, uh, supply and demand. All of these things apply across the boards. And so I'm at this point now where I'm. I take what I've learned, you know, I've learned a ton about ecology. I got a PhD in it and master's and undergrad and 12 years of, you know, learning and then applying and working and publishing papers and all those things. And I'm sort of fascinated by the idea that these patterns might be applied elsewhere. And so the one that I want to talk about today, which I think is, um, you know, this is, this is a, this is a, a part of a bigger puzzle that I'm trying to put together. And I just want to share this piece of it to sort of talk it through and uh, maybe get some new ideas and hopefully hear back from you guys to see what maybe you don't understand. But the focus is on diversity and uh, uniqueness. Sort of, you know, if if a system is diverse, that means there are lots of different elements in it rather than a, a, a system being homogenous where everything is kind of the same. Or in psychological or socio, sociological terms, we would say, you know, People conform to norms and become very similar versus a system where people become unique individuals, uh, different from one another. And this all comes, and I've told this story at least twice on previous podcasts, because it's so important in my life, uh, a question that's absolutely stumped me on my uh, PhD you know, they do this thing where you get tested and you have to pass this massive test. I don't even remember what it's called. Where everybody asks you complicated questions. You know, there are certain certain things you have to do to get a PhD. One is do independent research. One is do your coursework. 
And then this other one is to pass this um, evaluation test to make sure you've, you, you meet that standard too. And it's the thing that most makes everybody most nervous and you don't know what to expect. And uh, I don't know. I did really great on everything, but this one question stumped me. And the question was, why is biodiversity important? And now this was a, from a very ecological standpoint. And the only thing I could come up with is that uh, more species is better than few species. And we want everything that's evolved under natural selection to remain here because it evolved for a reason and it does something for the global ecosystem and therefore it's important. And I I really didn't have any more than that. And so since then, and this was 2005, it's like 15, 16 years worth of pondering, I've pushed that further and further or, or, you know, I haven't made a, a concerted effort to try to continue answering that question, but things in my life have happened where I've said, ah, yeah, that's, this is also a a, a reason why diversity is important. And I've taken it from just biodiversity, the number of species on the planet to diversity in general versus conformity or homogeneity, or I don't know if that's a word, things uh, all being the same, you know, working towards things all being the same or working away from, you know, things being more and more different. And here's where I am now. One, I'll preface this again, another preface with, I've always felt a little outcasty, different, like I didn't fit in. And I know a lot of other people have felt like that. Hell, at some point in our lives, I think everybody probably feels that. And that has to do with belonging to a tribe and, and sense of being part of a community and being a group because we are indeed social animals. And so that's really important. But, but more than that, the the reason I feel have felt different or other than the normal normal people in quotes uh, is because I don't want to subscribe to a lot of the habits of the people around me. I mean, and it could be from as benign as I, I don't like what's popular. I haven't ever really been attracted to popular music. I haven't been attracted to popular sports. I haven't been a attracted necessarily to popular TV shows or books. I don't know why. Part of that might be working against the system and wanting to be different and so intentionally doing things differently. But I think a lot of it is just I've been free for whatever reason to explore. Like music. Oh, music is cool. Let me explore all the different types of music there are and I'll see which ones stick. You know, And I just came to different conclusions than everybody else. So that sort of drives this, but where I have arrived recently is, is, is well, okay, another element that drives this whole thing is I see a lot of this stuff in my social media of people trying to tell you to follow your passion, that everybody has a purpose, and all of the problems in the world can be explained away if you'll pay this person so much money for their lecture series or for their coaching to show you why it's important to follow your passion. Okay, that so this is a thing, right? A lot of us feel like we're stuck or trapped in doing things that maybe um, we sh- don't feel it's something that we want to be doing and we really want to do this other thing, but we're scared. And so there's that that's sort of driving us into or away from something and where and and all of this stuff has figured in together to lead me to want to explain well one want to test that hypothesis is it true that we all are unique we all have individual talents we all have 
our unique contribution that we can make to the world, and that is important, is that true? Or should we just all kind of go with the flow and take a job and follow the old American dream? If you watch the new American dream episode that I recorded, you know, is there any evidence to suggest that's true? Okay. That's a long intro just to get this, the next part out that I want to explain. And, and the question that I asked was, is diversity really important? Well, here's the body of evidence so far that I have uh, con- con- concluded. Now, I am an ecologist, like I said, and I believe in evolution. If you look at human and trace that back and believe in heredity and believe in genetics and DNA and meiosis and reproduction and all of those things, and I do 100%. Now, whether or not we have it exactly right, I don't know, but I believe that evolution happened according to the rules that are generally accepted, the paradigm that says life started as maybe uh, a specialized cell uh, that did something interesting and it divided and then it specialized and became all these other things through the lineage of planaria worms and snails and fish and bats and monkeys and humans. And I, I, you know, I, I accept that to be a pretty interesting model. And it all has to do with two things. One, the existence of DNA. And so the evolution of the DNA molecule started off the process of life. And two, life has changed in response to varying things through time, which is basically evolution. And that mechanism of change is caused by, or best explained by, natural selection. So some randomness happens, some copying happens, some genetic material uh, changes a bit and becomes these different things as it responds to selection pressures of the abiotic and biotic environment in which that cell finds itself. And so life essentially is this pattern of flexible, the ability of the instructions for life to be flexible, to respond to the variation, the change that happens through time in the abiotic and biotic environment in which that organism lives. That doesn't sound like much on the one hand, but really in a nutshell, that sort of one sentence explains everything that I'm talking about. DNA was designed to deal with change And almost, of course, this wasn't purposeful, or maybe it was if DNA is alien or come from God or whatever, that it is supposed to be flexible. It's supposed to create new and unique individuals that will have a diversity of ways to respond to whatever time change brings. Ever since the Big Bang, things have been changing. And is that change predictable or is it random? Is it chaos? Is it, is it a model? Is it planned? I don't know. DNA sort of said, well, what's the best way, or DNA evolved to be a tool that created the most highest probability of being able to adjust to whatever those new conditions were to ensure that life persists. And that sort of goes above all of this is that you know, DNA is the mechanism of immortality. You know, sometimes I think all the bodies of all the different organisms from a single cell to a snail to a bat to a human are just a meat bag 
that holds DNA. And the DNA is really the existence itself of life. And it needs to perpetuate. Why would something evolve to die? Well, the way carbon works, it changes forms. So it's going to live, it's going to die, it's going to reborn, it's going to die again, it's going to change forms and be all these different things. DNA, the power of life, and probably is related to our ability to actually live in the world rather than just be in the world. That's a don't even want to go there now. Um, it has to persist, and therefore it has the ability. You know, it, it stacked the deck, if you will, in its favor. Again, possibly from some spontaneous source, or possibly from natural selection, and just sort of arriving at that point through time. But if I had to boil that down again, the environment is going to change. That is the way it is. And in order to live in that environment, you have to be prepared for that change. If you're going to live in the temperate United States, the deciduous forests of the eastern United States, you're going to need a jacket and you're going to need some shorts because sometimes it's going to be hot and sometimes it's going to be cold. So you need to have the stuff that enables you to respond to those in differing environments or you're going to die. Same sort of thing with DNA. It has to have the capacity to change through time. And now that's called adaptation. And that change doesn't occur at the individual level or in the individual's lifespan level. It occurs with successive generations. So there's a couple of different time scales and spatial scales at work here. Um, DNA doesn't necessarily mean that I am going to be ready for whatever changes before I die, but it will ensure that there will be people of my species on the planet, some of whom are better equipped for whatever that change is. Now, of course, some of them are going to be less equipped, but that's okay. Because with each successive generation, all you want to do is be able to have a, a few individuals survive so that they can reproduce and they can pass on their genes. The DNA has survived. It makes it to the next generation and the process perpetuates. So that, to me, is evidence that diversity and uniqueness in the sense of individuals arriving at a new generation with a broad spectrum of phenotypes or genetic makeup or abilities to react to differing environmental conditions is the best bet for that whole process to perpetuate itself. If we all had kids, say of Generation Y, of all the kids born in 2021, they're all clones or identically the same they're going to be very well suited to one specific set of environmental conditions that favors them. If those environmental conditions happen, then they're great. But if any deviation from that environmental condition uh, happens, they're not going to be as well equipped as they could have been. And they're all going to experience that the same. And so the selection pressure of, of, of a poor fit, fitted environment on those individuals is going to reduce the capacity for them to pass their genes on to the next generation. Now, if they were all different, some of them are going to be suited and some of them are not. And then the problem is solved. And so diversity is inherent to DNA. The purpose of life, reproduction, DNA, and evolution is to create the most diversity it possibly can for the next generation so that... It's stacked the deck in their favor to react to whatever suite of environmental conditions happen. Think about it. Think about all of the different environmental conditions that influence life. 
temperature, moisture, you know, um, food resource availability, habitat resource availability, you know, all of those things and how complex that universe can be of all the different things that could potentially affect the life of an individual and their capacity to reproduce the next generation. Now imagine the suite of different um, variation among any one of those variables. Now compile them all together. What you've got is a hugely chaotic, unpredictable, and possibly complex environment that we're going to be in. And that, as we've seen over billions of years, <laughs> that's changed a lot. You know, the, the different ice ages, the different temperatures of the planet, the, the carbon cycle, all of these things have changed a lot. That's sort of the one thing you can count on living on Earth in our universe is that things are going to change, but we can't predict how they're going to change. I mean, to a certain degree, we, we can a little bit. So what do you want, if you, if you want to know that you're going to live in 10,000 years, what's the one thing that you can do to help ensure that your species can persist through all of that environmental, unknown environmental change? You create the most diverse possible army that you can. So some of them will be able to, right? So my point is, the diversity of people, let's even say personality types, or you know, on the ones on the ecological level, you know, the diversity of temperature tolerances and disease resistance. This is what we want in, in, in the human race is to put as many possible things out there as we can to ensure the that would that we persist through time. But let's look at that now as a human personality. And all of the benefits that we get from people being different, different ideas, different ways of governing, different ways of getting along, different ways of solving problems. You know, uh, Einstein, this is a result of people who accept their diversity and have figured out how to match up their passion, their purpose, with their life and express it into the environment and teach it to their kids. So this isn't, this isn't as simple as just skin color or body hair or temperature tolerance or disease resistance. This can be about us as individuals. And I will argue, and this is a big idea that's going to develop long term, and at some point I'm going to write it into a book. This is sort of like chapter one. I will argue that matching, uh, realizing, and developing our unique potential, attitude, and abilities is our purpose. It is inherent to the biology of life. It is the meaning of life, and it is the way that we will ensure our persistence through time and our capacity to respond to the changing problems, whether they're abiotic, weather, climate change, or biotic, disease resistance, or social and psychological. And that's where this really is going to come into play. And I really want to develop the idea that you matter. You need to figure out why you matter, and develop and express that into the world. And that is going to help us address the problems of humanity. 
and uh, have the best future. Help us be enlightened as individuals. Help us live happier lives. Help us have less anxiety and depression and simultaneously benefit our species and our home. I look forward to developing this idea with you, and I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down. If not, please let me know. You can email me at k plus c is wise at gmail. Comment below if it's on YouTube. Go to my webpage where these things are all posted and comment in the bottom. I can't wait to hear from you. Uh, remember, if you're having, if you struggle with um, not knowing whether you matter, you absolutely do. Have fun developing your uniqueness. See you next time. I'm Chris Bircher. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Thanks, guys.